Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast, calling in from Santa Monica, California, is my friend Sarah Bowers. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you, Richard. Very great to be here. And Sarah is an LGBTQ Latter-day Saint. Which label do you take on, Sarah? I, I take on lesbian or gay. Okay, so I'll probably go back and forth in the podcast, but... We've been yeah, starting. No we've been starting these podcasts, as you listeners may know, before we record in prayer. But we've been starting to say the prayer during the podcast, as we just want all of us to feel the spirit and the and feel the goals of the podcast. So, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Um, <laughs> and if you're in the gym, you can still keep working out. But Sarah's going to offer a prayer. So, go ahead, Sarah. Great, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we're very thankful for the means of technology and communication in today's world that we can share each other's stories over a public platform that we can learn more about each other and where we come from and our hopes and um, very thankful for the opportunity to be here to talk with Richard and for all the work that he's done in order to promote understanding of by LGBTQ um, Mormon children. And um, we ask that thy spirit be here with us and that Richard will know and receive promptings on what questions to ask and that I will feel thy spirit guiding me and talking about my story and um, that these words can reach out to those who hear and can positively affect those who need to hear my story or any other part of this podcast and that we can feel thy love and remember thy savior, my savior. And uh, we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah, for offering our prayer. I've yeah, had the chance. I've met Sarah once at a state conference down in California where Michael Seacrest spoke. Uh, that was in January of 2019. And just to introduce Sarah to you, she is in her late 20s, she has a birthday that will have occurred on October 9th. So you're listening to this podcast right after her birthday. She's in her late 20s. She has a, a degree in international studies and is applying to um, for a master's in social work. She works in nonprofit um, in her home in Santa Monica. Um, Sarah is LDS. She hold, She is not attending right now, but has a what I would call a working relationship with their YSA bishop where they're communicating about, you know, where Sarah is and, and her goals and her feelings about the future. So I'm grateful for them coming together and we'll talk about that. Sarah's hopes is to marry a woman. And that obviously is outside the doctrine of our church that I stain and sustain and support and invite everybody to follow. But I've just felt impressed. It's okay to hear everybody's story and, um, and I, yeah, I just think it's okay that we hear her, Sarah's story and her insights and her journey and her hopes and just leave it at the savior's feet about what's going to happen to Sarah. Um, my job isn't to judge anybody and, but to maybe recognize Sarah's gifts and contributions. So it's kind of a delicate podcast for our listeners, but I think it helps all of us come together to understand everybody's stories. Um, Sarah serves as president of Affirmation. Will you tell us about um, 
and first correct me if I said anything wrong and then tell us about your responsibility with affirmation. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm, I'm president of a one region of affirmation, so the Pacific region, um, which covers all the way from British Columbia down to San Diego and to Hawaii. Um, so that West, West coast part of the United States. Um, I think right now we're just, I think affirmation has tried to regroup and wants to kind of begin redeveloping a lot of chapters and groups um, in the area that maybe perhaps have kind of dwindled a little bit or that have, uh, honestly, some of which have gone into hiding or um, after the 2015 policy of the church. Um, so I, I think we're kind of doubling down on efforts to gather everyone in the community again. My specific duties are um, working with my fellow region leaders to reach out to these chapters and make sure they're receiving the support they need and um, that they're being organized and are being active and um, and just having fun and meeting with each other and, and some places we certain groups are meeting with state presidents and state presidencies and um, holding stake family home evenings um, with affirmation group or or with non-affirmation groups but just lgbtq mormon groups and um, we're always happy to facilitate that and share stories and try to um, i guess i wouldn't say recruit but invite people to attend those Thank you, and I'm very supportive of Affirmation um, and its work and its leaders and its desire to try to build a bridge and especially give people a spiritual foundation for making really thoughtful decisions as they move forward um, on the road that they feel is best for them. Uh, talk yeah, about, tell us your story of coming out. You're in your late 20s. Uh, just tell us yeah. when you came out and that journey. I kind of, I'm not sure how short or long to make this my story. Um, I can go into very much depth and detail. Um, I think it starts out with me growing up and always being very um, close to women in my life and loving that and um, just feeling a certain joy in working with my sisters in the church. I grew up always being my maid president, the world's president and young woman, and right out of high school became a Relief Society president and was involved in the Relief Society presidencies for another good six or seven years, um, always, till recently. And I think in my late teenage years, um, I had never really suspected myself to be gay yet. I was just kind of so out of touch with myself and didn't even think of that as being a possibility. Um, but I remember that was kind of the period of time when Prop 8 was a big topic and um, there's just a lot of controversy and discussion in the news about same-sex marriage. And ironically, at the time, I did not have any interest. I didn't know why people wanted to be married in same-sex marriages. Um, but as kind of the clamor grew and grew, I 
was kind of prompted to learn more. And I, I specifically remember driving in my car from school and asking the Lord to help me to empathize with those who identified as gay or lesbian and to learn more about them. And um, not saying that's what made me gay or anything, um, but I, I definitely opened myself up to learn more and to ask questions and to ask questions about myself too. And um, so that was a very big learning point and just growing up. And as I became close with specific women friends in my life and um, not fully understanding why I would be heartbroken when they got a boyfriend or when they got married and um, finally just growing up and um, in particular falling in love with one very good best friend of mine and kind of that was the last straw where I felt all right this isn't just a, a close friendship I'm feeling attracted to her I'm in love with her um, what's happening and and that's kind of when I came out to myself and also began coming out to others too and at first I didn't know if I was completely gay or just bisexual or um, understanding that sexuality is a very complex issue maybe I was only attracted to this one woman, um, but that prompted me to really dig into myself and remember and all the other women that I had really loved and been attracted to um, allowed myself to recognize that indeed I was attracted to them. And so that's kind of how, how my story started. Thank you. Uh, appreciate just talking. Takes a lot of courage, I think, just to share pretty tender stuff and with um, us on the podcast. So thank you. Uh, what would you say? Um, sometimes I had a guest the other day, maybe it was just a visit. He was talking about he kind of emotionally had a relationship with somebody of the same sex. And, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that means that someone has, is gay or lesbian or, if, or if it's a physical attraction, I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any thoughts on that difference between an emotional attraction and a physical attraction. And, if both are tied into sexual orientation or if what just the second one is? Yeah. That's, that's um, a complex that's, question. I don't know. I've never right, asked yeah. a guest that question. So. <laughs> a, yeah, it's a big question. And I myself don't know the specific answer. Um, I think it also depends too, because I feel like some people identify as demisexual, which means that they are only physically attracted to people with whom they are emotionally connected. Um, so there are all these layers of sexuality and attraction. I, I feel like for me, um, I am a lot more emotionally invested and attracted to women and um, also physical attraction. And I, I think that has both been a part of me identifying as, as gay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what it, what it's like for others though. That's a real thoughtful answer. And I, I love one of the principles of this podcast is we're not trying to project your story onto other people's stories. And I've noticed yeah. LGBTQ people are particularly sensitive to that. Uh, what would you say to just people that think <laughs> might say, and I, um, that this is just kind of a phase and this is because you're not married and or even mm-hmm. this is Satan confusing you and um, just some of the things we may say to, to, you know, kind of 
just challenge you on how you feel, what would you say to any of those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think whenever um, someone voices their same-sex attraction or or identifying as gay or lesbian or LGBTQ, um, it's obviously, of course, always the best response to validate them and their story. Um, I think for me, the amount of love that I've had for women and um, the amount of connection and um, that I've had for those women with whom I fall in love um, has been so sacred and so um, distinct and so um, godlike to me that I cannot deny that I am gay and that um, this love is special and sacred and um, so much more elevated than any kind of love that I've had for a man. Um, and uh, that's, so that's how I've kind of come to, that's how I felt. And um, that's what really helped me to come out to myself was that this love is something I have never before felt. And it's the kind of love that all the Hollywood romantic movies are about. And I had never felt that before. Um, and so, and not only was it this Hollywood-esque kind of thing, but it was something extremely sacred that I felt God into. Um, so I feel very much God being with me as as a gay person. Uh, that's a good answer. Thank you. Um, yeah. Talk about, I don't, I have more gay men on the podcast than lesbian or gay women. So I'm really mm-hmm. glad to have you on the podcast and I still have a lot to learn. And sometimes I hear things that I wonder if they're true or not. One of the things I've heard is that sexual fluidity, <laughs> I, I could never spell that, barely say it. It's, <laughs> it's more, women are, have more sexual fluidity than men. Um, any mm-hmm. thoughts on that, that, that concept that I've heard at times? Yeah. I've, I've heard that. I've also heard, um, I've listened to some podcasts from a gender studies professor at the University of Utah who um, discusses ongoing research is now showing that uh, men are just as sexually fluid. And that was just one study that she did. And so I, I'm not for sure about the particulars of it or, you know, of course, different studies the results can differ based on kind of the the methodology. Um, but I remember I remember hearing that podcast and thinking, hmm, like uh, something that I never kind of really guessed at. Um, I think maybe, and again, I'm I'm not versed in this at all academically. Um, I do feel like perhaps women have feel more permission in our culture to be closer with each other and to be more intimate. And um, perhaps that kind of facilitates this concept that women are more sexually fluid. And, but I'm not sure how it is. That's a good answer. And I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm, sometimes talk about the trap of unearned opinions. It's easy for me to develop opinions about all this stuff. And I've learned, Mm -hmm. try not to do that and try to listen to the research, the science. I listen to our church leaders and and listen to our LGBTQ members and try to, and try to talk to heavenly father and um, get, 
feelings for his thoughts on this subject. So um, another thought came to my mind, and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I get asked these questions and I don't quite know how to answer them. So I kind of like having mm-hmm. a podcast, but some would, I've heard some, you know, like, because women, maybe what you said, it's easier for them to sort of um, culturally be together and we don't mm-hmm. wonder about two women kind of, I don't know what the right vocabulary is, sort of being together a little bit. In a, and that, yeah. And for men, that's pretty less cool to do and would raise more mm-hmm. eyebrows, maybe at the high school age, the college age, the junior high age. And right. I've heard some people say, well, women then develop um, an attraction there that's not necessarily tied into their sexual orientation and it can confuse them that it is. And um, while mm-hmm. they're really not um, lesbian or gay, they're just having a feeling a normal connection with somebody. Um, can you help yeah. us just talk about the difference between sort of a normal connection with another person that, and both of them are straight and what you're feeling? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I am, to be quite frank, when, when I was learning about my own sexuality, I would ask this question and um, my friends would be like, my friends who are women would be like, yeah, I've, I've felt that same thing too. And they were trying to comfort me um, and befriend me. But there's also this point of me where I would be like, frankly, so you've then I would ask, so you've wanted to have sex with this woman before? And then they would say, oh, no. And, um, and I don't say that as to mean, well, I, you know, we just want to have sex with all women as lesbians. But I think there is that definite boundary of um, having those feelings towards someone. And again, not having lust or um, not, you know, but having that holy desire to be with someone in that way, in that intimate of a way. And for all of my friends who are women who have been very close with other women and who are straight, I I haven't been able to find any one of them who has wanted to have sexual relations with that, with another woman. Um, So that's my answer to be a bit direct. That's a good answer. Um, That helps me and hopefully helps our listeners. And, um, what advice do you have to young um, high school? I went to an event this week and a couple and parents were there with um, their high school age um, daughters that were um, yeah. gay. And, um, you know, these are pre 16 year olds um, in both cases, I believe. What advice would you have to our younger LDS women who um, identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual? Yeah, I guess um, what a dear friend told me um, when I first started questioning myself, um, and that has always been the first piece of advice that I've given to others, is that to love someone is never wrong. And um, I know there's been a lot of conversation about this with recent devotional President Nelson talking about laws and love. but I, I truly feel that this love um, that I have and that my fellow lesbians and um, have too, I, I truly feel like it is of God. It is something that is 
sacred and that is divine. And um, I have the strongest testimony that it is not in spite of that love that that we are close to God, but because of that love. And um, to those who are grown, who young women who may identify as lesbian or bisexual, I always just want to, to tell them and have them know so much that this love is nothing to be ashamed of. And um, this is in fact what life is about. And we can use this love to really serve in our communities. Um, so that that's always just the key thing that I always tell to, um, to people. What would you say to a young woman that says, you know, I, I'm gay, I'm lesbian or bisexual, but I really want to stay um, on the covenant path and be able to be temple worthy and stay fully in the church. What would you say to that um, woman? Yeah, I I would say it is completely up to her. And I, I think um, God will support her and her desires for that. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I think there is something wrong with telling everyone that's how they should live. Um, but for those of us who do want to pursue that path, then um, it is a hard path. I, I can't. Um, that was kind of how I felt I would go. My, how my decisions kind of were led when I first came out. Um, and not to say that it was so hard, but I decided not to do it, but I, I felt called another way. Um, but I respect and validate everyone's decisions for themselves and the revelations they receive from the spirit. I would say that it would be hard, but that they can do it if that's what they want and feel called to, and that they can still um, use themselves as an instrument in God's hands in his kingdom. Yeah. I just recognize the complexity of this situation and, um, and so I appreciate everything you've said. Um, you know, I recognize you've got personal revelation or feeling for a path outside the doctrine of our church, and I don't quite know how to reconcile that because I support, sustain, and believe in the doctrine of our church. So I've on my long morning walks, I try to reconcile that, and I just, I, you know, I could say that. Um, you are not getting the correct personal revelation and that Satan has deceived you. And this is a sign of the last day and invite mm -hmm. you to come back and follow the teachings of our church. And I, and in some ways saying that out loud, I guess I'm inviting everybody of my listeners to do that. Cause I really believe that. Um, but it's sort of like, what do we do in this situation where you, Sarah, <laughs> um, feel mm -hmm. um, personal revelation or whatever, um, to pursue this path? And um, do I cut you out of my life? Do I quit meeting with you if I'm a church leader, if I'm a parent? Do I um, try to change your mind and um, keep you on the covenant path? And so I, it's a kind of just rhetorical questions, I think, and, um, and I think our listeners feel that. So um, I don't know how to reconcile that, except I do like the Macintosh video that the church produces um, Becky McIntosh at the end of the day with her gay son, Sean, who's now married in a same sex partnership. She just says um, her dad, you know, the dad kind of says, Scott says, well, that's not exactly the plan when his son starts dating. And 
Becky sort of at the end of the video says, you know, when you just let it go and she puts her hands up and just leave it at the Savior's feet, decides everybody and anybody's going to be welcome in my home. That Mm -hmm. resonates with me. And so I probably use the example of the Macintoshes and um, why they didn't invite Sean into a same-sex marriage. I don't think they said, Sean, this is what the road you should take and you're only going to be happy this way. I think they let Sean self-determine his road. Mm-hmm. In some ways, that's part of the doctrine of our church is you, Sarah, um, have agency to self-determine the road that you feel is best. And so are you, any thoughts on that five-minute speech I just gave? <laughs> well, I first just wanted to voice my appreciation with you for um, sitting in ambiguity with me. I think that it can be such a hard thing for many church members to do is um, being in a place of uncertainty and being willing to be in that place in order to be a loving friend um, to those who, for example, in my case, who do want to marry a woman, even though that is outside the doctrine of the church. And I, I so much appreciate that when, when you've sat in that uncertainty with me just now and when others do that with me at church or my other church member friends, um, that can be a really hard place to be in. And so I always appreciate that. Um, you know, another thing too, that, that you've already mentioned is the importance of agency. And I keep coming back to this time and time again of the sacredness of agency. And, um, I think, yeah, I'm not really sure what else to say about that, but father and mother sent us down here knowing that we'd make wrong decisions and mistakes, um, but they still sent us down here to learn something and with hope that it would all be worth it. And I think that's something really crucial to remember. Um, and I, I think just as Adam and Eve had to leave the garden of certainty um, in order to live life and gain experience. I think that is something that we can really learn from too. And it doesn't mean that we have to let go of our, our own values. Um, I like that. Talk about your relationship with heavenly father. I don't know if you use heavenly parents or heavenly father as some people have, um, found it difficult to stay fully active in the church and that kind of dominoes fallen other sort of their belief in God and a relationship with Christ has kind of fallen. Um, has that happened to you or have you been able to maintain a relationship with heavenly father? I have felt very much that I can maintain my relationship with my heavenly parents and my savior. And um, in fact, there are some many times since, not going to church anymore. I've felt it strengthened with them. Um, and that isn't me trying to tell people not to go to church. Um, but just in my personal journey, um, this is something that I've been working through and with, and, um, I felt for me, I needed a break from going to church every Sunday. And I was very worried and hesitant to do that because I, I would do anything for my relationship with my God. Um, and I feel all the more indebted and aware of Christ's atonement and his grace as 
I haven't gone to church, but I still feel him sometimes even closer than I did when I did go to church. Um, so it's been a very interesting, eye-opening experience learning with my parent, heavenly parents. Um, and it's still something that I'm in the middle of, middle of learning. And um, it's been very, very healing um, to feel them on my side. And even if, again, even if that means I'm not going to church for a little bit, um, but I still feel them with me rooting me on and in complete compassion with me. And when you say them, you're talking about our heavenly parents. Yeah. Heavenly parents. Um, talk about, um, do you read scriptures? Do you, you know, the kind of those lists of things we do in the church, attending the church yeah. is one. Do you, do you still, I don't, you know, I'm not sure everything, I can't remember everything that's on the list top of my head, but just talk about yeah. what you still do and what's meaningful yeah, I for still... you. I still study scriptures every day. I still pray. Um, I still fast. I still go to ward activities. Um, I still go to the temple sometimes. And um, so I feel, and I feel very engaged still. And do you hold um, a, when you say go to the temple, or do you hold a temple recommend? Yes, I currently do. And so I assume that infers your temple worthy. You're being upfront with your local leader. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, exactly. And of course, my temple recommend hasn't expired yet since I've stopped going to church. So that will be, maybe will be something that will come up in the future. But um, for now, I'm, I'm still holding a worthy current temple recommend. Um, thank you for sharing that. And Talk about your relationship with your um, singles word bishop. If he were listening to this podcast, would he kind of know where you are? Or would this be a surprise to him? I think he he's pretty aware of where I'm at. Um, and he, my bishop is such a great guy. I, I love him a lot. And I know he loves me. Um, I, yeah, I, I know he prays for me and I pray for him too. So I, I have a very good relationship with him. Um, yeah, I've I've talked with him a bit of where I'm at, and I think he's still trying to understand. And um, but that's okay. He's still very understanding of me and and kind with me. And um, I I I feel very loved by him when I go in. I think um, I've been trying to communicate a lot that. One of the reasons why I stopped going to church is because I felt like the only reason I was going was I was afraid of not being worthy in God's eyes if I didn't go. And I really wanted to know my worthiness, even if I wasn't going to church or even if I wasn't reading scriptures and, and things like that. Um, and that's been one theme of my life lately is trying to grapple what this term worthiness means. And so he's, he's kind of grappling with me on that and also trying to understand more of different things that at church that I feel are wrong or unholy. Um, and we still disagree sometimes, but he's overall just such a kind, compassionate man. Yeah. Um, 
when I served, there was no part of the handbook that kind of taught me how to walk with a member of the of my ward that was pursuing a same-sex marriage. Um, and so I think that's, I love the way you're, you're keeping the communication channels open, both of you. Um, he isn't, I mean, there'd be a natural reaction to sort of put an ultimatum on, you know, a, a, a situation where you've got to, you know, go this direction or I'll, you know, you're not welcome or I won't meet with you. And I sense that neither of you are doing that. And I think that's a principle of ministering. I think there's no requirement, belief or behavior requirement to um, be able to talk to your bishop about where you are and for you to be mm -hmm. able to share your feelings. And so I would be honored if any of my ward members felt confident enough in our relationship, they would fully open up to me about what their feelings were. And, and even if those feelings were outside, their direction was outside the doctrine of the church, I'd be honored they'd share that with me. And and perhaps as you know, it would give me a chance to sort of, as I met with them to keep them in the doctrine of our church. But if they felt like um, their path was still different, I would say, well, I'll walk with you on that path. I, I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to no longer meet with you. I'm not going to sort of make this relationship based on anything, but you know, just, I want to be in your life. And, and then perhaps even know that, I don't want to sound manipulative. I think if you ever felt like, well, maybe I did choose the wrong path and, and I didn't sort of give you an ultimatum or sort of, it might be easier for you to open up to me and say, you know, Bishop, I, I know you're pretty safe to talk to. Now I'm kind of second guessing this, or this is the experience I had. And it wasn't quite what I thought. And um, so you might feel more comfortable opening up back to me. And I wouldn't say I told you so. I'd probably just say, well, let's visit about how you're doing and how can I help and what are you learning? And, so that's kind of the way I'd approach that. I don't, how does that feel to you? Yeah, I mean, that feels wonderful. And I think, um, A, like you said, not being manipulative at all, but I feel like a bishop's reaction is how, how you would react in, in your description. That really does facilitate welcoming more people back when, um, if they do second guess their decision to stop going to church or they ever find a time in their life when they want to start coming again. Um, and I, I feel like that with my Bishop too. I, I know that I'm not, I haven't decided to take a permanent break from church, but I, I know that um, whenever I do decide to go back and that I know that he would be so welcoming to me. And, um, and also that I think it's important too, that he wouldn't welcome me back with, ah, see, I, <laughs> I, I knew this was the right path for you. Um, but again, just in a validating manner. And secondly, um, yeah, it's, I would not be as open with my other bishops as I have been with this one. And um, he has really earned that trust, my trust with that. And I, I like that. And um, I think that's a principle of ministering and I love maybe earned your trust that he's willing to listen to your story and honor your story. And I don't think he sold out our doctrine to do that. I think you know the doctrine that your bishop teaches, believes, and support, just like I do and the church does. And it's mm -hmm. sort of this more practical question, what do we do with a member who feels their path is different, especially an LGBTQ member? And so I, yeah. that's kind of what we're trying to do in this podcast is have these kind of uncomfortable discussions um, 
that may be uncomfortable for all of us at times, but trying to navigate this space. Because I think Heavenly Father wants us to continue to have relationships and friendships and community. And I think he mourns when relationships end, um, families are separated over this issue and other things. Um, Yeah. Talk about your parents. Um, Do they know um, you're gay and how are they responding? And yeah, um, they've both been as great as I can expect. Um, so my parents were divorced when I was about one or two, and I grew up mostly with my mom. Um, I told her first, and she um, held me for a while and was quiet, and then she said, you've been dealing with this for a long time, haven't you? And um, I can just tell she was remembering all the times all my depressing episodes and my times of heartbrokenness. And I said, yep, I have been. Um, and she has been nothing but loving towards me and supportive. And, um, and I, it's great. I, I can talk to her about dating and I can go to her when I feel heartbroken or discouraged. And she's always been there for me. Um, my father, he is, um, uh, pretty very socially conservative and kind of a rough and tough guy, I guess. He's um, gives some background. He's a military veteran and um, he was now he's a retired prison guard. And so um, we should have him on the podcast. I think he's probably, we should have him on the podcast to talk about working a prison. That would be Wild. Yeah, that would be wild. It would be a podcast finale or something. Anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I was very scared to tell him. And um, not so much I didn't think he would love me anymore, but I I didn't want to kind of engage in this one-sided argument from him about... um, well, are you lesbian or do you have same-sex attraction or like, you know, the church says this and this and this. And um, so it's kind of just felt daunted by the conversation follow-up um, to, to when I would come out to him. But um, I ended up, I had to write him a letter because I was too scared to talk to him over the phone or in person. Um, and so I, I told him and he wrote back and um, he you know, there are some things that I, I kind of disagreed with what he said. Um, but at the end, he said that I was his daughter and that he would always love me. So, um, and that was, was great to me. I was thankful for that. Yeah, so um, it sounds like you're doing a good job. I think sometimes a letter to parents is a good way to process this. And I love, mm-hmm. I love that you're recognizing it just takes, you're not, you didn't judge either parent. Like one was better than the other. You just talked about it was different. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think if both your parents were listening or other parents, they should, it takes a little bit of time and every story is a little different. And um, so I think that's great. And it sounds like your parents are doing a good job. It's not perfect all the time. And they'll make mistakes just like I do as I parent yeah. my kids. And so, but I think the communication channel being open and if there's common goals to keep the family circle together and keep you emotionally healthy and um, keep the communication channels open, I think that's good. Yeah, definitely. Do they know you want to marry a woman? 
Yes, they do. How's that going down, Sarah? <laughs> um, my mom is completely, as far as I know, is completely open and fine with that. She has never voiced any disagreements or incredulous. What What is that word? Incredulousness yeah, or incredulity? Exactly. Or... <laughs> I get stuck on that kind of word, too. So we're yeah. in the same boat. <laughs> Um, my, my dad does not agree that, um, that's what God wants for me. Um, but that's, that's okay. Um, I still love him and I know he still loves me. So. Yeah. And I probably lean more to your dad um, in some ways. I don't, but I Mm -hmm. probably also, so maybe it's me speaking to other parents at this point is I, it would be hard for me if I felt a child of mine um, felt their path was a same-sex marriage and that that child told me this is what God wants for me, that would be hard for me because it would kind of conflict with the doctrine that I believe in support. But I'd, it would probably take some time, but I'd probably get to the point where I'd just say, okay, I'm going to honor mm-hmm. your decision. I'm not going to second-guess it. I'm not going to actually hope that it fails. Um, mm-hmm. I thought about when I see a same-sex marriage, as I did this podcast with Sean and Carson um, mm-hmm. a month or so ago, and I thought, do I want this marriage to succeed or do I want it to fail? Um, and I thought, I thought about that a lot because if it fails and they rec- and they be- end up believing this isn't the right path and they come back to the quote covenant path and live a life of celibacy, I recognize that brings them back in the doctrine of their church. But I thought, you know, I'm not sure it's my my job to hope a marriage fails. Um, if mm-hmm. there's two people um, going in, uh, making a really thoughtful decision, what what they feel is best for them, it's kind of a planned, not a very spontaneous or rushed decision. It seems like you've been thinking about this for a long time and are going slow. Then I've thought mm-hmm. about, you know, I want all marriages that are based on trust and communication and common goals to succeed. Um, and I'm not going to sort yeah. of judge marriages that there's lots of people being married not in our that aren't in our faith being married all over the world in other faiths, and I hope all those succeed. So maybe it's okay for me to to want a same-sex marriage to succeed um, because of the contribution because it just seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah. Any that's kind of complicated. Any thoughts on that? I, I guess I, I'm I'm thinking back to relationships I've had that um, weren't the most healthy for me, or that were otherwise just not good, and that looking back, I'm I'm glad they didn't work out. Um, and yeah, at the same time, I, I still remember feeling God's sorrow and um, empathy and deep sadness with me and heartbreak with me when those relationships did end. And so it's, um, I I think God is so full of different paradoxes. Um, but I think that even in in terms of that relationship I'm referring to, um, he knew it was probably still good for me that that relationship ended, but that did not, um, mean that he couldn't sit in the darkness with me a bit. Um, and I, I think that is, perhaps one of the greatest acts of kindness too. And hopefully when I'm a mom one day, um, I can look 
on the same empathy with my kids who break up with their eight-year-old girlfriend or something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I guess those, those are my thoughts on it. Those are good thoughts. And I've always felt prior relationships help somebody for a final marriage relationship. And I think mm-hmm. that's why we date and we, and sometimes, um, it gives us perspective for what we want and what we don't want and, and matures us. So I recognize that's part of the process. And I recognize for somebody that's choosing to date the same sex, that is really scary. It's scary for the parents. It's scary for that person. Mm -hmm. It's just a complicated world to find someone that holds the same values to be safe. And, um, it's kind of hard to talk about how to do life off the covenant path, so to speak. And, we can mm-hmm. just ignore that conversation. But I think if someone self-determines that they're going to date, then it's sort of like, how do we do a good job of that? Um, how do we go slow and make thoughtful decisions? And a lot of parents, as they recognize their gay children are going to start to date, that's really scary for them because they don't want them to be taken advantage of. They may be pretty vulnerable at first and they may not have, I sense you have a lot of emotional and relationship maturity. Sarah, in your late 20s instead of late teens, um, so yeah. I just, it's complicated out there. And so I think people, if they've got a family sort of supporting them and a community supporting them, and even a YSA bishop that's talking to them, I think they're mm-hmm. more likely to make more thoughtful decisions and go slow and, and maybe not do, I told you so, or look now and, um, just make better decisions on this road. Any thoughts on that? I think with when I know that I am worthy of love and belonging and when others are acting in a way that shows me that I make much better decisions and am much more better equipped to deal with the ambiguities of life. Um, so I wholeheartedly agree with, with what you said, with, with what you said. Um, and I know at our home, we have straight children and, mm-hmm. Um, I do am grateful, you know, as they're in most of them are in their twenties and about half are married or half not. I'm grateful for the discussions we're having, um, as they have just relationships that come and go and some that are very painful. And I'm grateful as it's not, it's not awkward for, to be in a, involved in a relationship to sort of be talking to your straight son or daughter about their relationships. And I think it's probably okay for that not to be awkward for LDS parents talking to their um, gay kids, if their gay kids are dating, that they ought to have, be able to have those same kind of conversations. It's harder. And especially if a parent rightly so is worried, this path is um, taking them outside to the doctrine of the church and under condemnation from God. But I think from a practical level, um, our LGBTQ kids are going to make better decisions with parents in their lives involved in those decisions. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of got my pragmatic hat on right now versus my, you know, doctrinal hat. It's sort of a ambiguity and a balance there. I do sometimes use this phrase. There's lots of ways to live life off the covenant path. We don't really talk about that. Um, yeah. We certainly talk about the covenant path and the blessings of staying on the covenant path, but then I've kind of pragmatically realized there's lots of ways to do life off the covenant path. And 
you know, you could be doing the club scene, you could be doing multiple partner scene, you could be, uh, you know, just there's a, lots of ways to do life. <laughs> um, and if there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of anger, there could be turning to substances to deaden that and deal with that. And and so I've recognized that if, and I'm not talking about you in particular, but just in general, my LGBTQ friends are going to make better choices if they feel like there's a, just, they and they feel worthy of God's love. Um, one of the doctrines I do believe is you are worthy of God's love, Sarah, and nothing you can do can take yourself outside of God's love and his ability to continue to be in your life and want to talk to you. Um, there's no, yeah, that doesn't mean I don't believe in commandment keeping, but I absolutely fundamentally believe that everybody is worthy of God's love because I just parent that way. Nothing my kids could ever do would make me not love them. I could be disappointed, but I would never cut off communication with them. Any thoughts on all that? I want to, now I'm worried I'm talking too much. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. I also have the effect of bringing out the talker in, in everyone too. I'm a great listener, so I could probably be better at offering different comments as well. Um, yeah, I think, as I said before, um, understanding my worthiness in God's eyes is so key to my self-love and self-esteem. Um, and I think that's crucially important as obviously not a parent, but as we raise kids and as we develop relationships with, with LGBT individuals in church, um, is that even if they are not temple worthy or not on the covenant path, they are still worthy of God's love and they are still worthy of um, love and belonging. And, and we're not negotiating their worthiness with them. Um, so I always, I try to reiterate that. And, and everything I say is um, we use this phrase of temple worthy that I don't like to use, um, but I understand its utility and, um, maintaining consistency, but um, and I think it's always important to realize that we are not here to negotiate someone else's worth, and I don't think God would want us to do that either. And um, obviously, temple worthiness is is different than our worthiness before God, but um, I think sometimes in the culture of the church, those two can bleed over into each other, and so I, I always try to kind of reinforce mindfulness about the distinction between those two concepts. That's helpful. Um, I don't think I really understood our doctrine of, of heavenly parents that are equal co-creators that love every one of their children and every one of their children can have a personal relationship with them. That is certainly, I, that's just, I know that that's our doctrine, but I haven't felt, I think I've, grown to realize the power of that doctrine and the mm-hmm. and how it applies to everybody on the earth and that, that it's absolutely true. And that doesn't, you know, take commandment keeping off the table. And, but I just, you know, I think about, I recognize that many of our LGBTQ members step away from the church. So as they do that, I, I think pragmatically, what can we do to help them have the very best lives they can keep families mm-hmm. together. You're going to have a career in social work and you're going to help a lot of people. You may become a mother one day. 
And so what can we do to just, and I sent you a really wonderful person, Sarah. Um, well, thank you. And I can sense your maturity and your thoughtful insights and your spiritual depth. So depth, <laughs> sorry. And so I think, you know, we want Sarah to be able to contribute to society the way that you have this wonderful potential and already doing. So mm-hmm. I, I do love that um, this doctrine, and I love that you have a relationship with your heavenly parents. And I just, I think you're going to make better decisions. And you're just going to be in a better spot going forward. And I do believe um, that if we don't, if we just look in the mirror and look at all of our weakness or sins or the things we've done wrong, or even look at sexual orientation as something that God, I, sexual orientation and behavior would be different. So I'd never say that sexual orientation is anything anybody should be, feel uncomfortable about. They should look in the mirror and say, well, this is who I am and this is how God created me. Um, so right. it's just some thoughts. Um, talk about any thoughts that come to your right, mind right now you want to share with our listeners. I think that I guess when you're talking about ways that we can still support our LGBTQ friends and family who leave the church or who stop going, um, I think something that I find most um, frustrating in, in talking with with those who disagree with me leaving or um, is I feel very much a lack of validation or um, a lack of cre- a lack in their in their view a lack of my credibility um, because I am not going to church or because I'm thinking about not going to church and I think I've definitely had that for others too and I I try not to but it, it's natural when when we have such a great relationship with our church and we want others to take place in, in that church community and take part in that. Um, I think, and this is something too that goes back to your question of, for example, with, with church leaders or, or with my bishop, um, how, can, how can he validate my experiences and, and the revelation, what I feel to be personal revelations to me um, without also misrepresenting his office as someone that supports and believes and promotes in church doctrine. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to do that, but I, I do feel like we can all be more validating and believing of people who do have experiences that may lead them to a different spiritual path than the one that we were raised with. And, um, I do believe that people for the most part are, are doing the best that they can. And, um, and I think in the end, it's only our savior that will be able to differentiate whether we tried hard enough to stay in the church or whether we kind of just gave up early and left. Um, but I, I think it's crucial to validate and believe in people's experiences, even if they are different from your own. That's really thoughtful. Um, thank you. And I recognize your insights into the role of a bishop. That was very thoughtful. And I feel some of those responsibilities as a podcast host here that is support of the church. And I, it's hard for me sometimes to, you know, th- this, these kind of podcasts in some ways are harder for me because I, 
I want to have our listeners feel like I support and sustain the doctrine of the church, and I'm not doing this podcast to invite other people to follow your road, but I am mm-hmm. doing this podcast to try to bridge this, to create more understanding, um, and yeah. also to create, um, probably validate your decision and honor it and keep the family circle together. And um, I recognize you're going to probably make better decisions in your life if we keep you in our family and do the very best can we can in our faith community and keep you connected with heavenly parents and you continue to receive personal revelation. And so it's just kind of complicated, Sarah, but I'm, I'm glad we're at least yeah. talking about it. And, um, and then we just leave it at the savior's feet. I really believe that as coming out of conference, that one of my res- doctrinal responsibilities is not to judge others. Um, so I kind of go back to what principles or doctrine apply in a situation like that. And my job is to love, um, love my neighbor as myself. And, um, I don't think honoring your decision means I'm selling out the doctrine of the church to do that. I just can hold both with me at the same time. Um, and so the doctrine of love and the doctrine of agency to me just says, I will, you know, this is your road and I will walk with you on the road is the best visual imagery. I'm not going to invite you down this road. I'm not going to pave the road for you. I'm not going to say this is where you need to go. But if you choose this road as a pretty responsible, mature adult, then I'll walk with you. And yeah. I'll just leave it to Savior's feet. So, um, But it is complex. Um, and I love your tone of trying to create understanding both ways. More thoughts that come to your mind, Sarah? Yeah, I guess on this topic of, um, yeah, I guess just what we've been talking about, about holding these kind of two ideas together, and that is supporting our our church doctrine while also trying to support those who, who don't believe in the doctrine or who may, who may act contrary to the church doctrine. Um, I always think about, um, I was endowed in the temple a couple of years before I came out and, um, and looking back, I can see how that process and learning about the temple story, um, has been key in my journey of coming out and, and being with Christ. And um, I think about how Eve was commanded not to partake of the fruit, but she recognized she had to disobey that commandment in order to learn something greater. And um, I think about that a lot. I think about this emphasis that we have on obedience which is of course great and sacred. And I also think of um, perhaps there are examples of holy disobedience too. And that in itself can be controversial, especially on this, this podcast and with our audience. Um, But I think that in many ways, some of the greatest um, spiritual leaders in the world have had this sense of holy disobedience, whether that was, um, whether that was Martin Luther breaking away from the main church or whether that was Joseph Smith um, being so proud and boastful enough to think that he had a revelation from God that was different than any of the other revelations. 
um, the other preachers were having or or the fact that none of those preachers were having revelations, as I would say. Um, so I think that there can be very much this sense of redemption and these kinds of these acts that may seem completely contrary um, to these um, mores that we've been taught with. And um, so I think that's always something very interesting to think about. Not that I'm advocating disobeying or, um, and I, of course, I think redemption can be very limited in cases of disobeying thou shalt not kill or, or things like that. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but um, I do think there is value in, in thinking about those of us who have um, risked being wrong before us. And that was in their case, a greater act of faith than staying within um, the boundaries of, of what they had been told. Yeah, that's, I'm fine with everything you're sharing. And it's just, um, it's part of what we're trying to do on a podcast is bring voice um, to people that are walking this road. I'm not walking your road. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I just recognize when I was in my 20s, I had an authorized path to have an eternal companion. And um, now that mm-hmm. we're all these years in marriage, I recognize my marriage has all these different things that are part of a relationship that have really helped me. And I, I recognize the difficult ask we're making you to make Sarah another another gay, lesbian, bisexual members to either find a mixed orientation marriage, which can work, but most are pretty are nervous about going down that road or mm-hmm. living a life alone. And um, so I, I realize that's a big ask. And I recognize that your road is much more difficult than my road was in the 20s. And so I, I would probably still, <laughs> you know, or your bishop, I'd still invite you to to walk that road because, um, but if you felt that your road was different, I'd just do what we're doing here and have a discussion. And and I know if I cut you off and gave you ultimatums, you're going to make worse decisions. <laughs> and if you ever yeah, regretted yeah. your decision, you're not going to open up to me. Um, yeah. I'll be the last person you open up to because it's just difficult to save face. And I wouldn't do that in a and I wouldn't do that strategy in a manipulative way. I just do it because it's the right thing to do um, because yeah. it's our doctrine to love and support. And um, I read this quote from either Tom Christofferson or brother Eric Huntsman. And it's sort of condone doesn't mean that I, you know, accept what you're doing. I'm not sure if that's the right word. I just, I allow the reality of your life to be different than my own. And so right. I like the empathy within that and the, and the recognizing that your path is different than mine. And um, because you're, you know, gay, that makes, and so I'm not sort of, I just allow the realities of your life to be different than my own and leave it at the Savior's feet. Other thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? Um, No, I just, I hope that all of us as a church can, um, pray to receive answers and, and more revelations, even if that will take a long time, um, line upon line. And I hope that we can all, including myself, can be open to um, the possibility that things are not what we think that they will be. Um, and that um, I, I feel there's this story in 
C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, and I totally ripped this idea off of a blog, so please don't give me credit for this comparison. It's this blog's idea. But um, there's this um, little girl that meets Aslan, who's the lion or the Christ-like figure, and um, when she first meets him, he's so big, and years pass, and she meets him again, and he's even bigger, and she says, um, Aslan, like, you're so much bigger. What happened? And he said, well, I'm bigger because you're bigger. And I, I think that um, we almost realize that God is so much bigger than we can comprehend at this moment. And Isaiah says that to God, the, the nations are just as drops of water in a bucket. And I think that um, I'm just excited to learn more of his bigness, um, whatever that may mean. And so I, I ask all of us to continue in prayer and, and thoughtful study and um, to be and to ask to be surprised and to be taken aback by God's abounding truth. Thank you. I love that movie and I love that analogy. And um, I, I also recognize your humility as I've listened to you for an hour and the 10 minutes before we started. I don't, I just sense a, a humble spirit that is pretty sensitive and, and just, you know, this is my personal story and my path and I don't claim to know everything and I'm not prescribing what the church should do or what leaders should do. I'm just, you know, sharing my story in a humble way that this is how I feel and what I feel my direction in is in life. And, um, and so I, I would give you a, a lot of Christ-like labels, Sarah, as I just visiting with you over the phone. And, you know, so thank you for being on the podcast. And sometimes think about all of you LGBTQ people that might be listening and what I'd say to you. And um, we've just come out of general conference. And, and I would just, you know, if you're all sitting across this round table in my front room, I would say mm-hmm. that, you know, I do support and sustain the doctrine of our church that marriage is between a man and a woman. But I would also say I recognize that your road is much harder um, than any other road in a, of a Latter-day Saint. And we need to do a better job of recognizing that and helping you to feel like you belong and also recognizing your unique gifts and contributions to the body of Christ. And I've learned that I need LGBTQ people in my life to help me a better disciple. And so I didn't. I would just speak directly to all of you um, and to let you know that I love you and you have unique gifts and skills and attributes. And um, I recognize your road is just harder as a Latter-day Saint. And I recognize that we have more work as a church to help you fully feel like you belong. Um, and I support our leaders as they figure that out. I don't sit on the general councils, but I do. Um, recognize you have a harder road and you have unique gifts. And if you feel like you can't stay and it's not your road, we'll do what Sarah and I are doing. And I hope we can all do is just honor um, individual choices and keep common ground principles to keep us together and leave it at the Savior's feet and really own the power of our doctrine that we have heavenly parents that love us and want to do everything they can to get us back. And a big God that you just described, Sarah, um, that's bigger than sometimes we realize. And if we really own our doctrine, then I think 
we're more comfortable as people may choose a path that's not what we would hope that they'd choose or what we'd invite them to choose. So any last comments you want to share, Sarah, before we sign off? Um, no, thank you so much for having me and for all your wonderful compliments for me too. <laughs> well, you're going to bless a lot of people's lives. So thank you, our listeners. Um, we don't have any sponsors, so we don't have to give shout outs to anybody. And we don't announce much uh, on the podcast. We want to get right to the stories, but we appreciate you that are leaving reviews on Apple. Um, we've had several come in. I think it just helps the podcast gain traction. Um, so when you rate and review the podcast or share, sure appreciate that. And um, the listenership continues to really grow. And I'm, it's not about me. <laughs> um, I'm not a hero here or doing anything special. It's about the guests that bravely come on and share their stories. So it's people like Sarah and other people that have shared their story that really make this podcast go. And so we're grateful for Sarah and we're grateful for all of our listeners. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler.